Hey, thanks for listening. We're back for another week. We have JR to go through the round two results and also give his tips for round three. Mad Jack Mike's join us at the end and we are ready for another week of Who's On Him. Let's go. Round two is in the books, and also we are up to our fifth podcast week. I am joined by my co-host, JR. Welcome. How are you feeling today? Uh, yeah, good, mate. It's, uh, pod uh, pod five. Yeah, gee, didn't, definitely didn't think we'd get this far. I feel like I say that every week, but I'm expecting us to get uh, cut at every possible opportunity. I've intentionally not looked at the listeners over the past uh, fortnight or so because I'm concerned that if I see a decline in the amount of people listening or the amount of streams that the motivation will be sapped. But I do know that there's at least 15 streams coming from the group. So that's a positive in itself. Absolutely. That is more than we ever thought we'd get. So we're going to keep going. I know some people also like stream multiple times. They they listen to the pod and then they get back in the car and they go, oh, might as well listen to it again as if we've got something else to say. Uh, I actually uh, heard John puts it on every night to uh, to go to sleep at 2am. So... Whose voice is more soothing out of you and mine? Uh, I definitely think yours. I'd definitely go with yours. No one wants to hear me going to sleep. I'm surprised we haven't had the... So for the listeners out there, JR and I used to work together at the Women's and Children's Hospital. Um, great great organisation, great great working place, made some very good friends there. And one of the things that we used to get told all the time was that when we answer the phone, we sound the exact same. And I haven't heard that on the podcast just yet. As in, nobody has said, oh, I get you two mixed up. So maybe as we've uh, grown up and developed, our voices have changed. Yeah, potentially. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. That is very true. In fact, I actually I actually had someone start talking to me <laughs> thinking it was you. Like, oh, didn't know you were back here. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there for like 10 years. Like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, it was all very funny. Uh Massive week of fantasy, JR. It was a huge round with some surprising results uh, thrown in there. We have some teams that we didn't think would be 2-0, and and we have some teams that we didn't think would be 0-2, which we'll get to very shortly. Can I also just interject and say we have some teams that we didn't think would be 1-1, one and one, <laughs> including our own. So <laughs> plenty of surprises this week. You don't know the relief I felt when I managed to get that <laughs> That win on the weekend, knowing that I wasn't going to have to, I don't know, walk around the pool table with my pants down or anything like that for the year. Because I was like, <laughs> if I'm not going to get a win this week, when's it going to come? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> we are going to launch into the games very shortly. And we're going to go on a deep dive of two coaches in particular who are really struggling at the moment. And I think probably need to have a good hard look at themselves when especially when you're a reigning premier, that's all I'll say. If you're a reigning premier and you're coming into the season Norton 2, check yourself. He he is in a world of hurt. And um, I, I haven't seen a hangover of this size since uh, Lockie last uh, presentation night. So <laughs> he is really suffering at the moment with the premiership hangover. And I don't know if he's going to find a way to get out of it. Lockie is an uh, avid social goer of the group. In fact, he's had a bit of a resurgence in the last six months. He's gone from <laughs> he's gone from 30 to 21, like immediately. And he's going out most weekends. And 
He swears by something called Hydrolo or Hydrocolo or something like that, which allegedly doesn't give you hangovers. But I just wish that he could take it for his fantasy team also. <laughs> that actually sounds like something very illegal. So I don't know if the quadruple AFL is governed by Asada or Wada or, or whatever we're covered by, but uh, I'd be getting the uh, the testers to his, his place immediately. The concern is, though, if we were to go down the Asada testing path, I'm not sure how many people would be left in the competition. <laughs> The less said, the better. <laughs> All right, it's time for get him off. Fucking get him off. Yeah. Um, get Minson off. He's coming off. Man, get, get him back off. off. Get him off. Get him get off. Get him off. off. Rocket, oh. rocket. We can't hear. Get him off this week is tricky for me, JR, because I said to you off air that I couldn't really think of anything. The one thing I was going to consider for get him off, you're going to take. And to be honest with you, I actually found more funny than annoying or anything like that. So I might launch into you and then you could... You could egg me on and jog my memory as to what might be uh, what might be annoying me this week. So, what is your get him off segment for this week? My get him off segment, and, and people in the uh, in the group chat, you know, are probably anticipating uh, this one. Um, but it's the Gabba. <laughs> Everything about the Gabba, I, I shit house, hate it, hate all of it. I hate like a Thursday or Friday night like primetime gaming at the Gabba. It's just always shit. Like the fans don't care. Like it's not a football atmosphere. It's it's just a heap of people that don't care. Like the ground, aesthetically not that pleasing. I've actually been to the Gabba and it was just awful. And obviously Friday night, you know, the game was sort of winding down. It was over. People were, you know, we'll get ready to go to bed. And then the lights have gone out. Now that is just absolutely incredible. Like I didn't think we'd see the lights go out ever in a, a professional sporting organization that the AFL is. I thought the days of the lights going out, scoreboards blowing up. I thought we'd left them in the VFL or at least into the mid to late nineties, but no, we are back and it happened again on Friday night and it was just appalling. Do you remember the game? It would have been in the late nineties, early two thousands where the MCG scoreboard caught fire. and <laughs> <laughs> Sandy Roberts was like, <laughs> <laughs> the fire was over like his left shoulder and he was like, it's okay, don't be alarmed while the fire's roaring. But then in the next sentence after that, he's like, after he said, okay, everyone stay calm, don't be alarmed, he's like, this scoreboard could blow up at any moment. <laughs> yeah, I was watching the video the other day. It was just incredible. So, look, I, I didn't see it live. I like to think the Channel 7 commentary team maybe kept a little more professional, but yeah. Uh, they cannot tear that uh, tear that stadium down fast enough, and they have some absolute work to do before it's the Olympic Games, isn't it? It's not the Commonwealth Games they have. Uh, it is the Olympic Games. They have the twenty thirty two Olympic Games that nobody else bidded for. <laughs> <laughs> well, like that that's great. I mean, I personally prefer the Commonwealth Games. Like, I, I think it really makes you feel good about yourself as an Australian beating up on small island countries in sports they've never competed in. So I'd prefer it was the Commonwealth Games, but I'll settle for the for the Olympic Games. But they have some absolute work to do at the Gabba. You may know this or you may not know this, JR, but I was actually at the game on Friday night when the, uh, the, incident, <laughs> the incident occurred. But I want to take you a step back, probably three hours beforehand, about my experience with the Gabba before, <laughs> before the lights even decided to go out. So we, we had arrived probably 30 minutes earlier before the game. Great timing, you know, get to get to the bar, grab a beer, get some food, do whatever you need to do. And 
that all happened. So I, I, we found our seats. We went back out. I uh, went to go find um, a bar that was easy to find. And then I was looking around for food going, uh, okay, here's a cafeteria. We'll, we'll go in there. Uh, no, there was uh, no chips coming out because they'd run out. So that was not a hot start when oh. the game when the game hadn't even started. So I was like, okay, all good, no worries. Um, I spotted at the corner of my eye, believe it or not, a red rooster inside <laughs> <laughs> inside the stadium. Out of all fast food chains, that was the one that you'd absolutely expect to be at the Gabba. <laughs> so I was like, fantastic. I, I haven't had red rooster in years. I'm going to go get that, and that's going to be my dinner for the night. It's going to be fantastic. So I walk up to the Red Rooster counter. I don't even know what you order from Red Rooster. I didn't want like a quarter of a chicken at the footy. That's just weird. So I was hoping for some, <laughs> for some sort of burger. Well, I haven't had Red Rooster in, in so long, but I feel like the default order is some sort of like like chicken roll with, with mayonnaise in it sort of. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. I yeah. was looking for that or a burger of some description <laughs> just to take back to my seat and all good. Well, <laughs> well, much to my dismay, as I walked up to the counter, the man said, are you getting food or are you getting drinks? And I said, oh, food, because this is Red Rooster, obviously. <laughs> and, he go, and he says to me, oh, you'll have to wait. Um, we have a problem with our gas and we're not serving any food <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> so that is, at the same time, the most Red Rooster and also the most Gabba thing you could ever possibly imagine. But... The- did they consider uh, blowing up the light tower to uh, so- to find a heat source? Because we may be able to pin it on the Red Rooster people yet. I'm not sure, but the issue was that they said, yeah, we don't have any gas at the moment, but you know, you can get drinks and then come back a little bit later and get food. So when I came back at quarter time thinking that, what, 45 minutes would be plenty of time to sort their gas issue out. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> they, they still were only serving drinks. And then looked perplexed when I asked for food when I went up there. Like, like I'm, the, I'm the one in the wrong for asking for food at Red Rooster. <laughs> Do you reckon that, uh, that Red Rooster will survive the uh, demolition and, and rebuild of the Gabba? Or do you think they will be a casualty? I liken Red Rooster to a cockroach because I'm not sure how it survived for this long anyway. Like, when was the last time you, you went to Red Rooster and ate food? Like, how long ago? Oh, so long. I, I think it's more like Red Rooster's more of like one of those ones where you're kind of driving in an area you, you don't normally drive. And you're like, oh, wow, it's a Red Rooster. I didn't know they were still going. <laughs> like, rather than actually going to eat there. So, but. That happens more frequently than what you realise. Like there, there are more red roosters out there than we give credit for, but nobody goes to them. So how are they viable? That's my question. Like I, I wonder how many people like in our in our fantasy league are big fans of red rooster. Like I think we need to propose a question to the group and come up with some data for this question. So okay, I've I've quickly decided that my get him off segment for this week is red rooster. <laughs> <laughs> Who buys there, who eats there, and what sort of organisation runs out of gas to cook your food? (laughs) Just on the subject of both Red Rooster and the Gabba, like, do you know much about the, I guess, the the plans and and construction ideas of of what's actually happening? Like, are they just, like, I don't know, replanting some turf and putting a, like, putting a track in, like, and and it's off, you know, it's off for six months? Or is it being completely, like, torn down and started again? Because I, I think that is probably the best option. Well, I'm hoping that they fix the lights for one. 
Uh, I'll be honest. Good idea. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea. I haven't really paid a lot of attention. The last I saw about it was it's now whatever they're doing, whether it's renovations or a new stadium. I hope for this amount of money, it's a new stadium. It has been blown out to two billion dollars, and that was on the front of the paper. <laughs> <laughs> that was on the front of like a paper that I saw at Woolworths the other day. So <laughs> they're, they're they're clearly not budgeting that, very well. That is unbelievable. Two billion dollars, like. But at the same time, having seen the place on Friday night and just the absolute state of disrepair this venue is in, I'm starting to think two billion's not enough. Like they may need more to fix this place. It may be there may be no amount of money that can save the Gabba at all. The like, uh, the oh. the caveat to all this, and the only thing I will say is that you are notoriously anti Queensland AFL football. So anything associated with with that, I think uh, you. Uh, probably are a little biased towards. Is that a fair statement? That is a fair. I oh, know that's an unfair statement, actually. <laughs> uh, anti Brisbane, yes, but very pro the Gold Coast. I think just spend the money, turn Metricon into like a hundred thousand seater. Uh, start again. Play both teams out of there. We all know Metricon, the superior stadium in Queensland. I'm actually strongly considering this weekend going to uh, Metricon to watch Gold Coast versus Geelong, but I can't get Alicia on board, so <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a really sad a sad indictment of my level of fantasy slash football love that I'm willing to drive 55 minutes to Metricon Stadium to watch two teams that I don't <laughs> I don't even enjoy. Uh, well, if Alicia was still a Geelong fan, you, you might have a chance. I, I've never seen someone turn on a actually successful team that they supported so quickly. And the funny thing is her now team, the Bulldogs, are absolutely rat shit. And I queried the other day as to whether, you know, how long that, that may last. And she's all aboard. She's like, no, I've got to stick with them, which is just so interesting because I would be jumping ship from that so quickly. <laughs> so, yeah, it doesn't sound like you're going to, to Metricon this week, which which is a shame. But, uh, yeah, I hope the next time you go to the Gabba, it, it doesn't burst into flames. That was Get Him Off for the week. We are going to come back with our round two results. Welcome back. Let's get into the games for the round. Big, big, big round of quadruple AFL fantasy. Normally, I would start from the top, which is usually my game, but there are bigger talking points to be had this week. And I think we need to start with the probably the two major talking points. So we're going to start at the second bottom, and then the last game of the round. This first game, Ooh. yeah, this first game is James Hurt Immunity 14-16, losing to the rebranded Censored <laughs> Fantasy Football Club from Alex, <laughs> which is very funny, by the way. I don't know, are you privy to, to that inside joke? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I am privy to that. I <laughs> he... don't know whether we can explain the, uh, the full... Uh detail behind it but uh he's done a couple of funny things this week alex he's done the team brand name and then did you see what he did to norman on sunday evening i did see what he did to norman that that's up there for yeah top top fantasy moments for me that was just incredible i don't know what his net worth is but if he can afford it i'd like it like his calling card to now be once he realizes he's beating a team he sends him a mexicano pizza <laughs> like a hitman but it would take <laughs> Like you, you just find one on your pillow, like. <laughs> <laughs> Looking through this game, Norman in all sorts. That's all I can say. Uh, scoring fourteen sixteen this week, so it's not like he can even hang his hat on the big score from last week that was unlucky not to get the win. 
14-16 doesn't do it in most of the games this round. A massive, massive score from Charlie Ballard of 28, which sent him into overdrive. Have you seen all the names that he's given <laughs> Charlie Ballard since? I, I've seen Caleb Ballard, Callum Ballard, anything starting with a C, including <laughs> words we probably can't mention on the podcast. Last night was Cal, or this morning was Calvin Ballard. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually from South Australia. Charlie Ballard? Yeah. I'm a big uh, Charlie Ballard fan, and I think that uh, he was just in the wrong team. So he could very, very quickly after his uh, suspension make his way into my team. <laughs> uh, looking through some of Norman's scores, Callum Mills finally hit a nice captaincy score. Luke Parker did Luke Parker things, and Josh Dacos was uh, quite handy. But outside of that, there is a lot of average scores there. And if we flip over to Censored Fantasy Football Club, Jack Sinclair and Jake Lloyd both tunning up. We have Will Setterfield, the fast-becoming primo midfielder from Essendon. I would assume you've predicted this. I He was on my list. He was definitely on my list. So, uh, yeah, not surprised to see him scoring well. Or maybe better than expected, but, yeah, yeah, not not totally shocked. But, yeah, good pickup for, uh, for the uh, newly branded Sensor to FC. Tim English uh, with a captaincy score of 246. By the way, well done to Alex. He has put Tim English as his vice captain for the week and then has taken his captaincy (laughs) score, which means he's learned how to loophole, which is just fantastic. And the other interesting one here, JR, is Dane Zorko, 122. Saw a stat about this. Dane Zorko's score, which doesn't count for spoils, um, so it was 116 on regular AFL Fantasy is the third highest score by a player who was then subbed out in the game. So everything going against Lachlan Norman this week? That is, well, I mean, you say everything went against him, but if he'd stayed on the park, then the then the beating could have been much worse, I would imagine. So maybe that was a, a brief uh, ray, of, uh, ray of sunshine for Lockie. I said last week that I don't think he was uh, quite smashing the panic button just yet, but he was hovering near it. What do you think about that? I was of the same opinion. I think he has absolutely smashed the panic button now. There was a questionable trade that was fired off very shortly after the conclusion of the round, and that sort of is is quite indicative of a man uh, scrambling to find a way out of the hole he's dug himself. Last week when we... Just thought about the possibility of Norton to Norman. A big smile came across your face. And like I said, the <laughs> birds were chirping outside. The sun was shining. It was all happening. And then it's become a reality. He is Norton to Norman. And now, JR, there is a significant, a significant possibility, and we'll get to the fixtures after, that he will be Norton three Norman. How does that make you feel? That is an absolute spiral. Owen oh, three, even if you have a team that is moderately reasonable that is really hard to get your way back from there and with the amount of pressure that that he's under this year in the in the quadruple afl after all the chatter about uh you know he was basically a certainty to go back to back i, I did hear that a few times and from, from him from himself yeah from him yeah 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 <laughs> ab- absolutely correct and um you know that is not the start that he was looking for and and he's in all sorts at the moment so yeah we we, we yeah it's in one way, you know, it, it's it's gratifying, but in another way, it's sad to see you know a, a former premier in the state that that he's in at Owen two. So, is it? Uh maybe it's not mixed emotions. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I'll say about Lachlan Norman is fantasy is probably if I had to put a percentage on it, maybe 
80% skill and 20% luck. And he is not getting any of that 20% of luck correct now, including Christian Salem, who he thought was coming back this week. In fact, was made available for round three and then has proceeded to do some sort of meniscus injury on top of his thyroid problem. So <laughs> there is a lot happening for, I would say, poor Lockie Norman, but also who cares? You, you did say 80% skill and, and 20% luck, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I'm worried that it, that doesn't equal 100% there for a second. <laughs> no, no, it definitely equals 100%. I, I'm just trying to equate whether it uh, matches the lyrics in uh, Fort Minor, <laughs> Remember the Name. <laughs> and I think it might. Uh, no, that I was that was 10% luck, 20% skill. Fif- 15%... Concentrated, no, no concentrated power of will. Yeah, five percent. Yeah, five percent pleasure, fifty percent pain, and a hundred percent reason to remember the name, which equals two hundred. <laughs> which equals two hundred percent. Now, if you want me to do the second verse as well, I'm willing to. But <laughs> I, I'm glad it took us uh, only five podcasts to, to get a Fort Minor, uh, <laughs> a Fort Minor uh, verse in there. So I, I'm happy with that. Alex moves to 2-0, and who would have thought? And Lockie Norman moves to Norton 2, who would have thought? Let's get to the next game. Up next, we have the other coach who is in a world of hurt currently. Norton 2 now, Stasi Dimku, 13-82, losing to the Red Hot Keefies, 15-10. Got to say, for the first time in probably about four years, I felt a little bad for Stasi on Friday night. There is nothing worse than your, well, one of your primo players going down in Max Gorn. The good news for him is it's not worst case scenario. In fact, it's not even second worst case scenario. It's only about a four to five week injury. Hopefully just enough time for him to go Norton five before <laughs> before uh, he comes back and where. <laughs> We're all hopefully a few wins ahead of him and he will not play finals this year, but we'll see how we go. Keefe's red hot, JR. You picked them almost as your premiership favourite, but definitely as a team you liked. There is some monster scores in here. Any any game, in, uh, sorry, any player in particular stand out to you? Oh, well, the uh, the selection of Clayton Oliver at, uh, at pick four is looking like an absolute home run for, for Keefe. There, there was chatter about Clayton going, you know, one, two or three, but he, he slipped through and uh, through to the Keefies at four, and he is just putting together a awesome season so far. So LDU also same boat. That midfield is just an absolute uh, powerhouse. I have mentioned this on the pod last week, but Jack Zebel as a forward, who is now back to being exactly what Jack Zebel was, providing he stays fit and he keeps his spot, which I can't imagine he won't in a rebuilding team. You need those sort of senior leaders in there. That is a massive get for Keefe's at whatever pick it was, but dropped 119 on the weekend. This is almost a team to watch for me. I chop and change my premiership votes, uh, sorry, my premiership prediction each week. I would have to say if I'm doing a power rankings, Keefe's is now ahead. There, there are two massive scores in the week. And even looking here, like he had Dyson Heppel who was subbed out on 60. He had Bailey Dale who has probably a lower score than what he's used to. There's a few players here that can improve plus Mitch Duncan to come back off the bench and is that what you're going to say as well that is what I was going to say if you are racking the kind of scores that he is at the moment and then you have Mitch Duncan to slide back into your lineup that bodes very well for your prospects on the flip side I do have to say Stasi scored 13 82 this week but that was with a Max Gorn as his vice captain four so let's say 
Actually, I can't say let's give Max Gorn 100 points for this game because Stasi tried to make that argument on a group chat and I shut him down really quickly saying, you can't guarantee that. So <laughs> I, I can't probably do the exact same thing here. But if you give and, him... And he still would have lost. <laughs> like... That's very true, actually. <laughs> so no matter what, Stasi's losing this game, which is just fantastic for everybody. I don't know where Stasi goes next because he can sit on the Gorn injury, but that would be okay if he maybe had a win or two on the board. He is Norton 2, and I'm not sure that he can do that. So if he goes to Norton 3 this week, I'm not sure who he's playing. Does he trade Gorn? Gee, you'd have to think about it. You'd have to think about it. You you, you can't go any more than 0-3 or it's just season over. Do you think he would take my offer of Jeremy Finlayson for Gorn? Yeah, you get to 0-3, anything's possible. <laughs> I, I I just, yeah, I, I'm a little surprised at uh, the lack of lack of success he's had so far. You know, on the back of the rebrand, we were promised that he was going to be back as the villain, and it just hasn't materialized, has it? It's 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 all been very disappointing at the uh, at the Danger Club. This would have to be the worst rebrand in history. This is on par with the Crows. <laughs> changing their logo to whatever the hell we've got right now and then proceeding to be shit for the next <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> Very true. I, I I don't see where he goes. It, it's hard to see a way out for him, to be honest. Well, the Keefies moved to 2-0 and and sitting pretty near the top of the ladder. They're currently in third position. A couple of nice, what I would describe as consistent scores. I'm not sure they're going to sort of deviate too much from around that 1,500 mark. Stasi in all sorts, 13th on the ladder and is Norton 2 with an injured primo. I am concerned for him. JR, before we move to the next game and on the topic of Stasi and Norman, have you been clued into some of Talkback Radio over the weekend and some of the conversations oh, and some of the conversations that have taken place around um, Stasi and Norman? Oh, I have heard uh, I have heard rumblings, but uh, haven't act- actually sort of sat down and heard them myself. So is there? there's a bit going on, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. There was some really unhappy, I guess, calls over the weekend. And it's uh, it's going to take too long to sort of play all of them in their full duration. But um, the Quadruple AFL content team have managed to put uh, a package together. So I'm just going to share that with the listeners now, and then we'll discuss that after. No, 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 JR. I'm sorry. This is it. It's over for these two. They cannot carry on coaching these teams. They're done. The performances speak for themselves. I have been a fan of Danger Club since back when we were wearing the prison bars as the mighty Torpen Kikin Dangers. And this is the most hurt I have ever been by the club. There's no drive or dare in the game plan. There's no cheap plus sixes. There's no running around the mark for the quick handball. The coach has lost the players and he's now losing the fans. Sack the players, sack the coach. Dimku out. After four years of supporting the Herds, I'm just so done with the lack of drive and commitment from the players. My membership is going straight in the microwave and the coach Norman has to go. Ruin this once great club and I won't be there cheering in the stands any longer. What do I think? I've been a member since day one. This isn't the same team as the one that bought home a flag last year. 
It's like they got the taste of the premiership and that, that's enough. It's time for a full clean out from the coaches to the players. Everyone needs to go. I, I can't support this club until these, these changes are made. Honestly, I've cut up my membership. What's he gonna do? Hide behind the Max Gorn injury? Come on, let's be real here, alright? This club's been going down for years, alright? And there's only one person to blame. The fucking coach, alright? Dimku, fuck off, mate. At this rate, I'm gonna start supporting the fucking basics. So as you can hear, JR, um, the the fans aren't happy at Danger Club and Herd Immunity Headquarters. What's your takeaway from, I guess, some of their thoughts and responses into Callback Radio over the weekend? Look, I think, uh, yeah, it just shows the, the level of passion that that's out there for, for both, you know, the league and the respective teams of the league. And, and it shows that these fans are hurting. Now, some might say these fans have been spoiled by, by Premiership success and had unrealistic expectations set, but really you have to look at the coaches of these two teams and, and they have set those expectations for this year. So when you fall short of expectations, there are consequences. And one of those consequences is the fans having had enough and you can't blame them. Can you? Well, JR, the thing is that they're not going to be able to get out of this hole by themselves. Um, so obviously the fans are starting to turn on them and, and things are becoming an issue for both danger club and for James herding unity. But luckily, we do have a connected community of uh, quadruple AFL fantasy coaches that are willing to, I guess, throw their hat in and support both coaches during their time of need. So what I've done is I've uh, contacted the the best and brightest of the quadruple AFL fantasy fraternity to uh, share some thoughts and wisdom and uh, messages of support to both Lockie and Stasi. So I'll play those now. G'day, Norman Stasi. Uh, Prez here, coach of the 2-0 Wooden Spooners. Just sending you a message of encouragement. Boys, keep your heads up. I'm sure a win isn't that far away. We all can't be 2-0. and Oh, hey there, Lachlan. Echo here from the Rainers down at the parade headquarters. Look, I know it's been a hard and challenging start to the year for you both, um, but the competition is is so much better when you're up and about. And um, I do hope and I pray that you can both get on the winning side of the ledger to, to help make this competition great again. All the best. G'day, Stasi. G'day, Norman. Just uh, Brad Williams here, coach of the Collie Wobbles. Um, just on my way to Wyala, boys, to uh, cash in my first check that uh, I'm getting from playing footy at the age of 30. I'm, I'm past it, but um, I just want to give a bit of a positive note to you, boys. I know you're 0-2, but keep that head up, all right? Keep those chins up. Um, it's a long season ahead, boys. Um, and, yeah, all the best moving forward, all right? Talk to you soon. See ya. Yeah, hi listeners, it's uh, Regan Strangler here, the coach of the uh, the powerhouse of the league that are respected, admired and also feared by all other coaches. Um, look, a couple of us have been doing it tough in the coaching world, Stasi and Norman, uh, obviously talking about you, Owen too. Look, you just got to keep your head up, boys. I know it's I know it's difficult. I know there's alarm bells going off, questions being raised, Uh you know, your fans putting memberships in the microwave, all that sort of stuff. But uh, look, you just got to stick at it. You never know. You might be able to turn it around and find a win or two. Just wishing you all the very best from uh, the top of the table to the bottom.
Hey Lockin Stasi, it's James Davies of the Basics here. I understand that things may not be going as well as you hoped for so far this season, but remember that we all experience setbacks and challenges in life. What's important is how you respond to these challenges. Instead of dwelling on what went wrong, focus on what you can do to move forward. Use this as an opportunity to learn and grow and to come back stronger than ever. Remember that you're not alone and that there are people who care about you and believe in you. You have strength the resilience to overcome any obstacle that comes your way this season. So chin up, boys, stay positive, and keep pushing forward. Okay, that was way too much fun, but we need to move on. Um, <laughs> let's move on to my game in round two, the Revolving Doors Fantasy Football Club 1465 defeat the previously red-hot Gina Grinehart's 13-49. Paul Grady has gone from being on top of the world to quickly going, my team sucks, my team's this, my team's that. I've just Grady, you don't need to do a full 180 on your team. It's just, you know, you may have not had the best performance or whatever it is. Don't turn on your team. You, you have a reasonable team there. Like I said, no time to throw the toys out the cot and panic. Just looking through our game, it was a bit of a roller coaster, to be honest with you. I actually thought I had him on uh, Thursday night when Geelong played Carlton. And Cam Guthrie was on, if no, sorry, Cam Guthrie was on forty something points at three quarter time and ended up on ninety eight. They threw him behind the ball and it was disgusting. He scored like fifty ish points in a quarter, and I, I was having heart palpitations on the couch. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. But the Holy Trinity, as I mentioned last week, in Andrew Brayshaw, Tuke Miller, and Jordan Dawson, RIP, as I've traded them out now, uh, managed to turn up and get the job done for me. Will Day is increasingly becoming an absolute steal from Bradley Williams. I'm so sorry, B. Will, but <laughs> when he keeps shopping scores of 90s and Aaron Hall is playing in the VFL, I think that could be an issue for you. Um, on the flip side, big score again from Toby Nankervis. I predicted this, JR. I predicted that Nankervis would absolutely destroy Riley O'Brien, and it happened. <laughs> it happens every week. You shouldn't be shocked. Shout out to plus two for goals because that meant Charlie Kerno uh, scored 110. And to my boy, my backup Ruckman, Matt Flynn, 116, uh, 116 in place of Braden Pruce, who is still out with a minor tweak in his back. I am absolutely thrilled with. So, look, JR, I'm pretty excited to get the win here, get to one and one, but I think there is still some work to be done. Not a lot else really to say about this game. I'm happy to move on quite quickly. Revolving doors go to one and one, while the Gina Grindhearts also go to one and one. Next game, JR, is the grudge... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the grudge match Fuck itself. Me. I have so many thoughts in this game, and I'm aware that the podcast might be really long in its current duration, but I need to spend a little bit of time on Regan Mastrangelo's behaviour over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's at the point, JR, where someone needs to take his phone away from him over like the course of the fantasy weekend because he, he rides every bump and he has no filter on his emotions. <laughs> he does like uh, the twists and turns. I I could not look at the uh, the score of this game and immediately know sort of where it sat just based on Regan's interactions uh, within the group. The highs and lows, no one rides them like Regan. <laughs> And the highs and lows also equate to how much of a villain he is. When he's high, he's like peak villain-esque. And when he's low, he's like trying to, but he knows that deep down, <laughs> deep down he doesn't really have a leg to stand on. Um, 
just on that, like I would like to put a league instituted ban on the phrase, or, or just in you know the the action of of typing in the group. Uh, it's over. You've won. I, I cannot emphasize how much I fucking hate it. It's just awful. It really gets to me. I I really dislike it. So, <laughs> so. Grady and I's game on the weekend was basically dead even, but 2v1 heading into the last game. So I had two players, he had one player. And I ended up being up by like 50 points at quarter time of that game. And it was effectively over. And Grady's gone, congratulations, good game, etc. And I've gone, it's not over yet. <laughs> it's not over yet. I, I still think you're in the box seat. <laughs> it needs to, you're right, it does need to stop. But it's also a great tactic. Because on the flip side of things, <laughs> on the flip side of things, you could also go the early crow or talk about one of your players doing well and it just ends up just capitulating for you. I did it on Thursday night with Charlie Kerno. I, I messaged you going, who is on Charlie Kerno? And he ended up scoring like 10 more points for the rest of the game. Lockie also did it with me with, with Lewis Young. And I was like, gee, who's on him? I can't believe I got him at pick, you know, 230, whatever it was. And, uh, and he pretty much didn't score a point for like two whole quarters. <laughs> I would say you and I are both men of science and we, we don't believe in superstition and so on. But that is a thing. I don't care. In fantasy world, <laughs> there is something that happens in the universe when you describe how well your player is doing. 100%. Big scores in this game as per normal. Harris Andrews with a nice ton. He does that every now and then. Brad Crouch is just an absolute fantasy God, I don't know why everybody's so scared about Brad Crouch when it comes to drafting him each year because he just he just does what he does and it's just fine. It's just not a big name player, I guess. Jack Crisp and Scott Pendlebury are now revolving doors. I'm really excited to see how they go on my team this week. But outside of that, we had a nice Darcy Cameron and Langford score for Echo. And on the flip side, we had Liam Baker and Jesse Hogan doing some pretty impressive things. Regan, of all people, moves to 2-0 and and sliding door survives for another week. His general, his general arrogance and demeanor towards the rest of the league survives another week, and Echo moves to one and one. Your game up next, Jr. You fourteen oh seven defeat the Collie Wobbles thirteen eighty one. Do you want to talk us through this game? Uh yeah, uh, another week of yeah. There was a couple of coaches in all sorts going into this game, and, and there may still be a couple of coaches in all sorts coming out of it, but um. Yeah, uh, relieved to survive uh, Sam Darcy's 16, Jace Burgoyne's 24, and a couple of 40s. I don't know how I've managed to cobble over the line with uh, those scores infecting uh, my total score. But Did you happen to catch up with B-Will and Co. on uh, Saturday at the Crows game? I saw B-Will uh, before the Crows game, so not after Lockie Scholl had uh, dropped 100 <laughs> 110 or whatever it was. But I heard he was very upset about it. He was very upset by not only the Lucky <laughs> Shoal uh, score, but also his general fantasy team's performance. So B-Will shared in the group, and I'm sorry if I can't share this on a uh, public podcast, B-Will, but he went home that night after a few beverages and <laughs> allegedly uh, said to uh, Ash, oh, the boys just aren't gelling, the boys just aren't gelling. And she, she said, Who, <laughs> who's not gelling? He goes, the fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> to which he was quickly reminded that they're not a real team and they don't play together. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very understandable reaction. <laughs> Scale of one to ten, how much do you love Harry Sheasel? Oh, so I can't, I can't say a ten because I'd imagine both John and Prez uh, love him more than me at the moment. But uh, <laughs> so I'll settle on a nine because he is single-handedly propping my fantasy team up at the moment. <laughs> 
Last question to you is any concerns around Josh Dunkley? Two scores now, not cracking a ton. Is it just a matter of finding his way into a new team or is there any chance I can get him off you this week? <laughs> it's funny you uh, put that little bit on the end there because I, I did hear Friday night from an unnamed source that uh, you were going to be heavy into my DMs for uh, for Josh Dunkley this week. So, <laughs> um, you haven't actually come calling until now, so I'm surprised you waited until the uh, the live forum to, to do it. But uh, no, you uh, won't be getting him at this point, but... Uh, Geez, a couple more 80s and 90s and you uh, you could find a way. B-Will had Zach Merritt tunning up, which is nice. Paddy Cripps also tunning up. And outside of that, I'm really sorry, B-Will. There are some really poor scores. A weird Bailey Fritch 95 thrown in there, which is nice for you. But uh, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Harms, Arms, whatever you want to call him, score of 19. He played a full game of football. How do you score 19 <laughs> fantasy points? <laughs> So you played a bit of uh, bit of footy in the uh, D grade at Mitchell Park last year. Do you reckon you'd back yourself in to score 19 <laughs> fantasy points in the AFL? Okay, a couple of corrections. I played B grade for Mitchell Park, and it was uh, <laughs> it was div div seven B grade. So it could be the equivalent of D grade. To be fair, um, I, I absolutely can confirm that I can score more than 19 fantasy points in a game because B will came out to watch that game that Lockie Norman tore every soft tissue in his legs and, <laughs> and was counting our fantasy stats. And I happened to score more than that. So I'm not saying I'm better than Jimmy Arms, but I'm probably a better fantasy player. <laughs> I love that you, you've now moved to calling him Jimmy Arms. <laughs> it's, it sounds like a, like a, you know, a bodybuilder that uh, isn't natural competing. Like <laughs> I actually started with Jimmy Arms a couple of years ago because he had pipes on him and I was like, oh, He's got arms on him, Jimmy Arms. That'll do. And it's sort of just stuck with me and me only. So, <laughs> JR, you moved to one and one. The Collie Wobbles, Norton two. The minor Premier from last year, preliminary finalists. That means we now have Premier, Norton two, and minor Premier, Norton two. That is a scary thought. And also, just to, to interject, uh, B-Will, after two games this year, has now equaled his loss total from last year. In a full season, things could not be going worse at the uh, at the Wobbles. That is a terrifying thought. And I know how much that man loves fantasy and how much it means to him. So for, for his mental well-being, I hope that his uh, his team's performance can improve over the next couple of weeks. And I just love the uh, contrast between attitudes towards B-Will's 0-2. B-Will being the uh, <laughs> just great guy that he is. And, and you know everyone's hoping for him to turn it around. And and Owen two Starzy and Lockie, uh, former, current whatever villains of the league, just no love lost for them whatsoever. But uh, yeah, B will is it's all love for B will. It's a nice reflection point for Lockie and Starzy to go and sort of think, why am I not receiving the same sort of love and affection that B will is? <laughs> Next game. Although he lost in round one, there was signs of a pulse for James Davies and they were quickly put to bed uh, this, <laughs> this round. A punitive total of 13.02 loses to the now 2-0 Wooden Spooners, 14-25. Uh, the, the, the description for this game that comes to mind and particularly in relation to James Davies is regression to the mean is exactly what has happened here. <laughs> To be fair on Davies, Josh Kelly is out this week. So there goes his captain option. 
Lockie Neal was uh, vice-captain this week, scored 94, not ideal. So then he rolled the dice with Jared Witts, who then scored a 90 for him. Things just didn't go to plan for James Davies. Taylor Adams and James H and Lever, Jake Lever of all people, the only sort of reasonable scores in that game for him. Everybody else absolutely sucked. I'm talking like <laughs> Harry Himmelberg, 40, Bo McCreary, 40, Sam Flanders, 50-something, uh, Dill Stevens, 55. But Blake Hardwick, 46. There are some terrible, terrible scores in this <laughs> game. I said it a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure this team is salvageable, and I think I'm going to stick by that because I don't know where trades are going to come in this team. Was the over-under five? Was it five? Five and a half? Five and a half wins for Davies. Oof. It's looking very likely that that goes under at the moment, off, fresh off the uh, 13.02. We all said under, didn't we? I think we all said under. <laughs> Regan, that's right. Regan said, I don't even need to see the total when I'm going under. <laughs> very funny. Could James Davies go winless? So Regan floated that also on that same podcast, and Davies on his rebuttal the following week said, there's no chance of that happening. Think about it this way. Last week, he caught lightning in a bottle. He had four hundreds off the scrap heap, something that is just not sustainable, and he still lost. I'm not sure where the win's going to come from. I, I don't understand. And the other thing that blows my mind, JR, is now I look at it, he's traded Blake Hardwick for Nathan Broad, who is now out for four weeks. And in the first instance, I'm not even sure that Blake Hardwick is the worst fantasy player in that deal. So he's given up the the player who's currently active on the roster who might be a better scorer for a guy who's not playing for four weeks and may not be as uh, consistent. Having had a look at the the scrap heap yesterday, I I think he'd be well advised to maybe like just turf like six or seven of the guys on that team and, and kind of try to start again. Like, <laughs> I think he might be able to build like a better score off the scrap heap. Like he did all right with it round one. Just keep like the constant rotation going. Would you say you would be okay if James Davies took like a leave of absence from the quadruple AFL fantasy and just sort of like neglected his team, but came back in nine months time, you know, fitter, stronger and better and more mentally ready to, to actually engage with this league? Uh, well, you know, and that, that's been done before. I mean, Telf did do it, and, but he just left you know, <laughs> 10 minutes into the draft and then never came back. He definitely took a leave of absence. But there was a couple of games where even having not had a look at his team for six months, that he nearly actually nearly actually won. It might have been against James Davies, actually, that oh. he might have nearly cobbled a win out. But oh, my God. I, I can't remember. On Prez's side, Nick Dacos is just a freak. There is legitimate talk of him like being at least, at the very least, All-Australian this year. And if not, he's probably got six Brownlow votes already. He is... Just an absolute star and well done to Prez because a lot of people were scared off picking Dacos up after the tagging sort of furor of preseason. That didn't uh, discourage him, so he's now got a premium defender in the back line. Captain's score was terrible this week. Uh, Jack McRae, 146 as captain. That is not what you need. Well done, Presbury. You go to 2-0. This is much needed after your uh, last couple of years. You came probably off the bat, you came out pretty hot and I think you made a grand final that first year against you. Is that correct? Uh, correct. Yeah, correct. And then have proceeded correct. to do fuck all since. So well done on at least making a positive start to the year. Let's hope you can maintain that. Next game. Sneaky Jellyfishers 15-12 lose to Magic Mike 15-33 in probably the game of the round, to be fair. 
this is quite exciting. I don't know how closely you were following this on Sunday night, but basically Jono had, I think, five or six playing in the last game of the round and was chasing down uh, the Jellyfish's total and obviously just got there by 21 points. So well done to him. Jono, we have on the podcast shortly, and I've already recorded that section, JR, so I know some of the things that he's said. <laughs> Are you willing, before you've even had a chance to listen to this, take back any of the yeah. comments you uh, made about Jono's team preseason? No. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> plain and simply, no. I, I think this is a man who's very, very happy with himself at the moment, but I think when h- half of his midfield is out of action by about round eight, there will be a swift change of tone. I did say that his uh, forward line and defense, excellent, very impressed with what he'd put together there, but uh, midfield was was ordinary. I, I don't think that that was a, an unreasonable opinion, oh, and I'm, I'm still concerned for midfield. I take back nothing. <laughs> we established, by the way, on that section that Dom Sheed is actually only 27. <laughs> <laughs> Although Jono, Jono did say that he thought he was 25, which I, I thought was ridiculous. <laughs> the annoying thing about Jono's team here is that he's got Brody Grundy in his ruck spot for the next four weeks, which he is going to score hugely with the absence of Gorn. So mm. there is every chance that Jono could continue his winning ways and probably be in a sort of 5-0, and o, maybe even 6-0 and o or 5-1 and one sort of position, which is scary for the league. We are talking potentially another preliminary final for him. Will he get to the grand final? Who knows? If we look on Schmidt's side, I've brought this up every week and I'll continue to bring it up until he's ready to trade for one. He has no set captain option. And the issue is he has players that can score hundreds each week, but how are you going to know who that is on a week-to-week basis? So Redmond did it again. Your first choice for Schmidt's captain, your favorite player in the league, as mm-hmm. uh, we've quickly decided. Mason Redmond from the Riverland or Millicent, do we decide? Uh, so I believe technically from Millicent, but like we, we've claimed him in the Riverland. So, um, <laughs> we've, as he, in he, can, you, he can have a foot as in you for, like being from the Riverland. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never actually been to the Riverland, but, but I, I, I feel culturally connected. Um, so did he, did he captain Redmond this week? He didn't, he didn't captain Redmond. So his vice, oh. cap, his vice captain this week was Riley O'Brien 98, which is fine, I guess, but not quite the captain score you're after. So he rolled the dice with Isaac Heaney. And I, I, get, oh, no. I get the logic because it would have been against Hawthorne and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, good shot of him kicking three or four goals, etc. But he had Hopper there, 111, Sarong, 115, Redmond, two weeks in a row now, hundreds. Like I said, he doesn't have a set and forget captain, so he's going to have to choose each week who he thinks is going to score well. And two weeks in a row now, he hasn't been able to do it. That is going to be the problem for him, but... If I'm him, I'm rolling with the Riverland specialist, Mason Redmond, every week that I possibly could. Um, and, like, he's always going to be competitive on a week-to-week basis just with the the strength of depth. So I think I would stop short of saying that everyone owes him an apology because the captain thing, yeah, will definitely cost him probably on a week-to-week basis. But he has put together a, a pretty consistent and, and strong team, I think, at this point. So... He's definitely going to go over his uh, over-under total, which which we all predicted, I believe. So, The key thing in quadruple AFL fantasy and fantasy general is that big win column, the big W next to that. And if he had captain the right person this week, so whether, any one of Hopper, Sarong, and even Riley O'Brien, if he managed to do that, he would have... Oh, actually, I don't know about Riley O'Brien. 
anyone of Hopper, Sarong, or Redmond, he would have won this week. And that's the difference in this league. You need to have a strong captain. So, Schmidt, you are welcome to knock on my door and see what happens. But you now go to 1-1. One and one, And we have Magic Mikes, who are 2-0. and oh. Well done to the Magics. And hopefully, we won't see too many more wins because I don't need another another preliminary final heartbreak loss for you. But just like to, to interject on the Magics just before we move on and just say, I have never seen a coach who has achieved so little, no tangible success at all, be so arrogant after two rounds. I, I cannot believe it. And he is absolutely dicing, dicing with danger, I, I think, at the moment, just with his bullish views on his own team. He is asking, absolutely asking for yeah, a couple of injuries in that midfield. So he would want to be very careful. I thought that you were talking up the rivalry between him and Norman, but allegedly uh, your rivalry supersedes that, and uh, you two are, you two are going <laughs> at each other. I'll, I can't wait for Derby round. I have to pencil that in for the fixtures. Okay, we have two minutes and twenty seven seconds to talk about the last game of the round, which is the dyslexia <laughs> untied Adam Leach slippery licorice John Madison's thirteen seventy seven Leachy loses to John fourteen fifty three. Sorry, I should just clarify, 2 minutes 27 because we are still not paying for Zoom and that's when it's going to kick us off. Uh, the good news is we're now down to 2 minutes and I could be I could be done with this game in 15 seconds. So. <laughs> uh, really quickly for Leachy, terrible, terrible luck. Violin, he could do the, the double this year and get best in chat plus uh, tiny violin. <laughs> he lost Jack Steele for a number of weeks on top of losing Tom Stewart for a number of weeks uh, the previous week. He's already traded Tom Stewart out um, to try and cover some of those holes. Um, pretty terrible score, once again, for Leachy, even though he had uh, full players playing in the park and very, very concerning um, some of the scores in that uh, group of players. Harry Cunningham, 27, is interesting. Um, on the flip side, John Madison's 14-53. Not a bad score this week, sort of middle of the road. Darcy Parrish, tunned up. Dylan Shield, tunned up. Uh, tunned up sorry. And... Yeah, it, it looks okay for John. I'm not going too crazy. I know a lot of people said that he had the best team in the league uh, at the start of the year in the over-under pod, but yet to be seen. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, good for good for John to, to get on the board. He would have been very, very unhappy if he'd uh, if he'd gone down and gone to 0-2, and, and it probably would have been quite undeserved. So, yeah, good for him. And, yeah, Leachie, uh, yeah, we're all thinking of you, and, um, yeah, hope you can turn it around. When we say that we're thinking of Leachy, I'm thinking of like what players I could <laughs> harvest from, <laughs> harvest from you. <laughs> Look, I didn't want to say that, but <laughs> that was round two. We'll be back with more after the break. Welcome back, Jr. Before we get into our tips for round three. I need to highlight a segment last week, which we have not done this week purely because of time reasons, and we'll get back to it next week, and that is your niche weirdo of the week, which is now becoming niche weirdo of the fortnight. Last week, <laughs> last week you selected Anthony Community on the back of a 29-point fantasy game, and you went through some of his backstory about uh, how he just rocked up for a, a match sim and Ross Lyon loved him, and all of a sudden he's found his way into the St. Kilda A-grade. Well, weren't you proven right? Because on the weekend, he was shit hot. How much of Anthony Community did you catch on the weekend? 
Uh, a significant amount. I, I, I <laughs> came home from the uh, Crows embarrassing themselves and, I, you know, I was quite down. I was in the dumps. I was disconsolate and, and that may have come across in, in some of the chat. I may have come across slightly unhinged, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> but I really needed to pick me up. And so I turned on to watch the absolute red hot Ross Lyon Saints. And you know how I feel about Ross Lyon. Very, very positively. You do. Um, and there's probably only one man on this St. Kilda team that I feel more positive about than Ross Lyon. And that is the one, the only, the great, the rapidly improving fantasy player, Anthony Community. <laughs> and I think I've got that right. And I've now learned his name. Uh, he, after fresh off scoring 29 points last week, his stat line, 13 disposals, nine kicks, four handballs, nine marks. I repeat that, nine and two goals won for a fantasy score, I believe, of 83. And wow, what a performance. Uh, I think he may still be on the scrap heap for anyone still interested. You should be looking strongly at uh, this man. So on Saturday night, I was watching the game initially on the TV. Then I went to go collect our pizza. So I flicked over to the radio. And on the TV, they were calling him Anthony Community. And then on the radio, they were calling him Anthony Kiminiti. So... <laughs> <laughs> there, there's still some clarification to be had around his name and I'm happy to roll with either one. All we know is that shit hot fantasy scores mean that he will end up in probably your team very shortly or if not someone's. Um, I think there's a few teams that could definitely consider him. He would easily slide into uh, James Davies' fourth line at the moment. So uh, that uh, that's definitely an option. Um, <laughs> what, what I'm really looking forward to on the name front with Anthony is, uh, you know, St. Kilda, Friday night game probably coming up at some point. Is Basil Zemplis still calling the the, uh, the game? And will we get a uh, Fantasia, Fantasia sort of situation where he very, very arrogantly uh, tries to correct everyone and then no one wants a bar of it? Is Basil still commentating or is he not the, the mayor of Perth at the moment? Oh, well, I, I think he might have been, been fucked off back to Perth. So, um, yeah, which is good news for all of us that like listening to good commentary. So Didn't Basil run for mayor of Perth and, and, and win it. And he is currently the Lord Mayor, but also has like gone on a crusade against the homeless in Perth. <laughs> I'm pretty positive that was like one of his campaign like runs. I will get the homeless off the street. Um, and in uh, in Perth, you're actually classified as uh, as homeless if you make under 200,000 a year and you don't work in the mines. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a very high bar to, uh, to meet for Basil. Oh, I'm not a Basil fan. Anyway, well done <laughs> to Anthony Community. You have probably transitioned from being niche weirdo to a or quadruple AFL cult hero, and I think you'll probably make your way into a few teams. And I wouldn't say you have Marby or Chol like level of status, but you would be uh, a well beloved figure of all sixteen of us. Let's move into the round three games. We're going to start at the top, which is my game. The one and one revolving doors take on the two and O Regan Mastrangelo. <laughs> JR, I have had, and this is only Tuesday. Keep in mind, I have had four individual private messages from people saying, "Please beat Regan this week." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'll probably be shortly sliding in, and uh, yeah, with the same sentiments, I'd imagine. I'm not sure whether a three and O Regan is good or bad for the league. What's your take? Oh. No, bad. I, I don't need it. I, I need a reality check here, I reckon. Um, not sure it's going to happen, but uh, I need a reality check. <laughs> well, 
I'll throw over to you first. Can I get your tip for our game? And then I'll give you my tip. Yeah. Uh, I I don't want to do it, but I ha- you can't tip against Regan at the moment. His team's red hot. Hopefully it won't last, but it's red hot at the moment and you uh, have to go with it. So I'll preface this by saying that I would describe myself as a pretty fair tipper. Round one, I tipped Echo to beat me. And last week, I tipped myself to beat Grady. And both of those things happened. And this is going to stoke some flames, especially of Regan. But I think I've a chance to beat him this week. And I think I'm going to back myself. Oh, my- I love it. Yeah, I love it. I, I think I'm I going to back myself in and tip myself. Um, Just a really quick look at his team. He's probably not going to have Jeremy Cameron play, who's been just scoring truckloads of points for him. He's got a few others out, and I'm not sure his entire scoring is sustainable. Like there, There's some massive scores from some weird players in there. Um, I made a couple of trades uh, since last week, which included bolstering uh, my midfield, and I'm just, I just think there's a chance, so I will be tipping myself. Well, all the best, fingers crossed. Hope you can, uh, hope you can do it. I think the league needs it. Next game is the Gina Grindhart's Grady Hud versus yourself, Jr. The Collective Mind Galaxy Brains. I'll go first. I'm happy to. And I'm sorry, Grady, but I'm happy to back you in. There is a, a little concern around a few of Grady's players as of last week, and currently he has Brandon Parfit standing, uh, starting in his midfield. Shout out to Grady, by the way. He absolutely murdered me on that trade because I gave him Ed Langdon for Brandon Parfit, and I'm now currently looking at both of them in his team. <laughs> so well, well done to him. So he murdered me, but I don't think it's enough to get the job done. I'm backing you in, JR, to probably score above what you have over the last couple of weeks and, yeah, get the job done. What's your tip? Yeah, I'm going to back myself in also. I, I think I've sort of gone a long way to, to fixing my team, hopefully off the back of a couple of crappy Hawthorne losses. Scrimshaw will come in, should get Caden Coleman back. Yeah, I, I actually think that... Maybe not this week, but the week after. Matt Crouch is not Ooh. far away from a return to the Crows' limp dick midfield. So could all uh, could all be looking very different for me if I can cobble out of uh, round three with uh, yeah two and one record. I'd be I'd be stoked. So yeah, I'm tipping myself. Your one eighty on Matt Crouch, just in general as a player, is so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> look, uh, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend I'm uh, yeah completely unbiased uh, in in this regard. So. Yeah, hopefully hopefully he's back in. <laughs> Next game is Rainy or Parade, Christian Economou versus Jared Presbury, the Wooden Spooners. I am pretty happy and comfortable to tip Rainy or Parade. Presbury has cobbled two pretty average scores for two very average wins over the last couple of weeks. He is 2-0 and Echo is 1-1. If they were to play the last couple of weeks, Echo would have beaten them comfortably both times. Echo has added Jordan Dawson to his defense on the proviso that he gives up Pendlebury and Jack Crisp to me. Not sure what that really does for his midfield. I think there's some work to be done there now, but I think he's got enough firepower to see off Presbury. Yeah, Echo uh, Echo to get the uh, the chocolates here. Pres has started well, but he'll, uh, yeah, copy his first loss of the year here. I'm in a group chat with both of them, and they're both, like, they're not Regan. Let's put it that way. So I'm not sure... <laughs> I'm not sure there's going to be any trash talk or anything like that, but I'd love to see a little bit of hostility between the two. Oh, it has to be. has to be. Next game. Uh-oh. The Norton 2 Collie Wobbles play the 2-0 and Mad Jack Mike. 
I just don't see it for B-Will. Yeah, I, I really want to. I just don't. If we've got two weeks of data to work off now, and like we said before, we are men of science, I can't tip against the Madjax here, and I'm going to comfortably say Jono, but I would love a surprise shock result here. Yeah, Jono, Jono for me. I mean, also, you'd, oh, I'd love to see B-Will come to the party and upset the apple cart, but... Oh, you, you couldn't possibly predict it. I, I think Jono uh, quite quite comfortably here. A couple of hundred points. couple hundred? Ooh, that's big. I reckon a couple of hundred, yeah. Next game is James Davies, the basics, versus Slippery Licorice, John Madison's. I don't even need to spend any time on this. A, a projected score for James Davies' teams of 12 to 67. <laughs> and I, like, I know projected scores are a little bit off, but 12 67 is just atrocious. My favorite was the start of the year before a game had even been played. Like his projected score was like the highest out of anyone, <laughs> but was never going to happen. And now after two weeks, it's like been cut by like 300 points. <laughs> I would be shocked if John Madison's loses this game. He is my tip for the week. And I'm assuming you're going the same. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll go John for sure. Adam Schmidt versus Alex censored. FFC, I keep saying Censored Fantasy Football Club, but his team name is just Censored, so I might need to, to rejig <laughs> that. So, Sneaky Jellyfishers versus Censored. 2-0 and o, Alex versus 1-1 one and one Schmidt. I think it has to come crashing down for Alex at some point. Some of the scores of his uh, players are just crazy, including some big captain scores. I stand by my claim from previous pods that his defense is one of the better um, defenses in the league. Uh, Sinclair, Lloyd, Ridley, and so on. That will get him some points. I'm going to tip Schmidt this week, though, but that would require Schmidt choosing the right captain. So if you can get that right, Schmidt, you've got my tip. I will go with that. Please get it right. It's Mason Redmond is basically <laughs> what this game comes down to. The Riverlands finest. Uh, yeah, I am also going to go Schmidt, and this is a bit boring because we're all tipping the same uh, same outcomes. But uh, yeah, also Schmidt, I, I am probably a, Bigger fan of his team than than most others. Uh, I think he'll uh, get the chocolates here. Redman, big captain score, and yeah, I think he'll. There'll be no uh, no Mexican pizza rocking up on uh, on Sunday night. The hitman card. I, I yeah, I, I'm almost like when I play Alex, like you know, I may lose anyway, but I'm almost willing to to throw my game. That pizza looked fucking delicious. I don't know what was on it, but it looked awesome. And the can of Coke as well. <laughs> Yeah, topped off beautifully. Next game is Adam Leach versus Stasi Dimku. I think this is the time, even without Max Gorn, that Stasi gets his first win of the year. Rory Laird was a monster on the weekend, and I can't believe he didn't trade me him for Jordan Dawson like I asked the other week. <laughs> I think there is enough firepower with basically two of Leach's captain options either on the bench or now traded. I think Stasi gets a win, goes to one and two, and works slowly to start salvaging his season. Yeah, you you couldn't possibly tip the uh, tip the dyslexics at the moment with the the state of disrepair they're in, and um, yeah, Stasi should get his first win this week. But could you imagine if he didn't? We spent about ten minutes on Stasi and Lockie this pod. I reckon we'd have to do like twenty five at least next pod if that's the case. <laughs> Yeah, I think Stars will be good. I think he'll get on the board. Last game of the round is a really massive game for a multitude of Ooh. reasons. Yeah. James Hurd in Unity, Norton 2 plays 
the Keefies, who are 2-0 and and probably the informed team of the competition. I won't go first this time. I'm happy to throw it over to you. Look, I know that uh, you've said that we are, uh, we are men of science, <laughs> but I, I can't help but have this feeling that, that James Herd Immunity are going to get on the board this week. Oh, I think they're going to get on the board. I, I, it makes no logical sense, but I think his team is, you know, all jokes aside, not terrible. Uh, and I reckon that he can get on the board. Wow. Okay, that isn't what I was expecting. I thought we were going to run the board, <laughs> run the board with the same tips. I like not confidently, but more confidently than not, are tipping Keefies this week. I think that score of 14-16 from Lockie is just atrocious. It's good to see Jermaine Jones back home at James Heard Immunity. Uh, pick him off the RFA scrap heap, but I I can't see it happening. That was not a good score on the weekend from James Heard Immunity. Keefies are just churning out consistent performances. And I think I said this last week as well, but it's true this week. Mitch Duncan is a test to play. And Geelong, I would assume, would slot him straight back in. No VFL action required. Um, just to interject, I'm just I'm looking at the teams, uh, which I, which I didn't do when I made my pick. Uh, I <laughs> would like to change my team <laughs> <laughs> and, and change it rapidly. I I went with my gut, and then I looked at the teams, and I, I see no way. So, yeah, I am going to change my tip to uh, to Keefies. <laughs> <laughs> you also you complimented his team. <laughs> like when you tipped, you said all jokes aside, he's actually got a reasonable team. And then, <laughs> and then you've looked at his team and gone, "I oh, actually no, I'm going to change the tip." <laughs> it, it, it was much better in my head than when I looked at it. So, Lockie, your team sucks. So I had you, to change. Lockie, <laughs> Lockie, your team sucks. You're going Norton too, and we we both tip the keepies. We're going to take a break and we'll come back and wrap up with you, JR. And that's it for you on the pod, JR. Thank you once again for your time. Once again, can we have you back next week? I think you're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, look, I've got nothing better to do. I'll be happy to come back. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, over the ad break, I was thinking, you know how Alex is... Like Hitman card is now sending a Mexicano pizza once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> once. Yeah. He's won the game. Do you think you or I, you or I could like send a Red Rooster sub to someone? <laughs> like... <laughs> well, you could send, yeah, you could send a Red Rooster sub and I'll actually send part of the Gabba to people. <laughs> I didn't mention it on the light tower, part of the seats. <laughs> I didn't mention on Get Him Off earlier that. Uh... <laughs> When the, the lights went out, um, everybody obviously got on their phone and was doing whatever. So there was no reception in the Gabba because, of course. Um, <laughs> I tried to make the joke first before anyone, where's Keefies? We need to get him up here to sort the lights out. And then it, the message <laughs> didn't send through. But I could see everybody else's messages coming, but mine wasn't sending. <laughs> and about three people made the same joke. And then <laughs> mine came like 25 minutes later. I was like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the late news with Sandra Sully. Uh, <laughs> and last one on that as well that I also forgot to mention. Did you hear my voice message from like the Gabba with like all the sirens in the background? 
No, I did. I didn't. I missed that. I was out uh, for a fancy dinner and very out of place, so I, I missed that one. Oh, uh, I'll try to forward it to you from Friday night. But uh, a few people were asking, "Oh, what's going on?" So a voice message, and as I was doing it, there was like fire engines going past to go and put out the fire that was in the light tower, and it sounded <laughs> it sounded like the apocalypse. Oh, burn that stadium down! <laughs> Jr. Good luck for your fantasy matchup, and we will see you next week. Cheers, mate. Pleasure. Welcome to the final section of the podcast. I am joined by none other than one of the hottest coaches in the league, both form-wise and also appearance-wise. We are with Michael Magic Mike Johnson today. Hello, Magic Mikes. How are you? Oh, great to be here, Dill. Incredible to be on Who's On Him. (laughs) I'm just going to give a quick shout-out. To, to two spikies doing God's work, Adam Telfer and Dean's Apprentice. <laughs> the first of many uh, shout-outs that uh, Dean's Apprentice will get on this podcast. So um, I know that uh, Dean's an avid listener of the podcast in the van itself, so I'm sure that uh, Dean's oh. Apprentice will be getting a, a nice little kick out of that when he hears it. Jono, it has been a big few weeks for yourself. I'll just go back and refresh your memory on the history and the timeline of uh what's happened, I guess, over the course of the past three weeks. So we had draft day, uh, it was about three, four weeks yep. ago now. And on the back of that, we ran yep. our Over Under podcast where we delivered what we thought was uh, some pretty straightforward predictions on what would uh, what would happen in the season. And all three of us, I think Regan included, tipped you to go under your win total. And uh, we tipped you to basically have a terrible season. And in fact, uh, many people and one person in particular on the podcast decided that you would be their biggest slider for 2023. Mm. And since that moment, since that moment, we now have a 2-0 Magic Mike. Your score from last week was 15-12, one of the highest of the round. And your score the week before that was the second highest of the round, possibly. Just having a look here now. No, sorry. I take it all back. The highest score of the round, 15-91. Jono, how are you feeling about your team's hot start to the year? Look, um, I'm feeling obviously pretty good riding the highs. Um, Norman first up, which is always nice after last year, um, even though it's just a home and away game, but uh, we'll take that one. Try and put him under pressure for the rest of the year. Felt like, uh, you know, I drafted pretty well. Uh, had a different strategy the last year, and um, I think it I think it worked out um, so far. And, um, yeah, like overall... It was, uh, I didn't really pick any bad players, so. (laughs) That is a massive call. Is there any truth to the rumor that on draft morning, you were sweating on my pick six, knowing that I was very interested in Tim Taranto and all the false information I put out there that I was considering taking him over Took Miller made you nervous to the point where you confronted JR in the bar of the Cumberland Arms Hotel about what my decision would be. Is there any truth to that rumor? Uh, so I didn't really realize that you'd gone up to pick six till real late in the piece. And I thought, Timmy, I'm going to take him. He's, if he's there, I'm, I'm doing it. So I drove in with John and John was one before me. And John was asking who, who, who I was thinking. And I damn sure didn't say Tim Taranto. I said, <laughs> yeah, Doherty or Mills. Yeah. Or could still could slide or Miller. And then I just thought you'd, you'd take him for sure because you moved up all that way to get a forward. I thought mid-40s, he's going to do it. But I had to bail J 
day out because I was just, <laughs> oh, I just needed to know, like, it was too late for him to say anything to anyone. And I just needed to know what to do if it wasn't Timmy. So, um, who, yeah. Who would it have been if it wasn't Timmy? Well, I might have gone Mills. Mm. I was a bit worried about his injury, but uh, yeah, I, w- I would have probably gone Mills. Yeah. Let's have a look at your midfield, Jono. Because there is uh, some claims there from JR a few weeks ago that it was Dad's army, and have a look. Having a look at some of the yep. names, yeah. Having a look at some of the names in the midfield itself, we've got old man Rory Sloan, we've got Lockie Hunter, who's not an old man, but uh, obviously on his second club now, and uh, had had a few things going on last year. Dom Sheed, who I'm still not sure how old he is. He looks at least 38, but he, <laughs> there is every chance he's 28. I'll have to have that confirmed. Lockie Ash, obviously, relatively young. That's fine. Luke Shuey is in there. And you've currently got Tom Sparrow in there after the Dangerfield and the um, Stewart trade from earlier in the week. So you have gone a little younger, but it comes at a cost. How are you feeling about that midfield heading forward? Uh, look, I think it's... The criticisms were a bit uh, unwarranted um, because the forward line is shit hot and I could take any three of those forwards and move them in and then it would look immediately better. So I just think you, that there's just, it's just unwarranted criticism, you know. Um, of course, it would be JR, you know, picks picks tucked up players every, every year, just full of tucked up kids, you know. So, I mean, Dom Sheed, as much as uh, he looks like he's 32, uh, I think he's like 20, 25, so prime. Bullshit. If Dom Sheed is 25, I'll go back <laughs> to eating that hat that uh, I spoke to Davies about during the week if he scored 14.85. I'm going to Google it quickly. Hang on. Okay, I have confirmation he's 27, so somewhere in the middle there. That is so oh. much That is so much <laughs> younger than what I thought Dom Sheed was. All right, Jono, I'm going to give you the floor, and I'm happy to basically hand over the microphone to you to... Have a writer reply to Josh Ryan. Now, I wish I had a bit more time to prepare for this interview and I could have written down some of the quotes that uh, Josh Ryan said about your team heading into the start of round one. Off the top of my head, it was around that midfield being terrible. It was around um, your, uh, I guess, history, let's say, in losing preliminary finals. It was the fact that uh, a few people think that you may have been overachieving over the past few years and all that co- uh, combination is going to all of a sudden come back to bite you this year and you're going to slide down that ladder. You are currently sitting top of the quadruple AFL ladder and this is the best time to possibly have a right of reply because everything is going your way. So I'm going to throw it over to you to go as hard as you want at my co-host Josh Ryan. Well, me and Josh Ryan, we were former housemates. Um, I think he's he's been um you know he won that first fake flag and he, and he was all up and about the social um, flag the yeah the social flag and then you know 2020 he went in with a half reasonable team and I knocked him off in the finals and he's been salty about it ever since I wouldn't talk to me for the for the rest of the week well that was the first prelim loss but we won't talk about that but um <laughs> I, I'd say I learned a lot from uh, living with JR on on fantasy mainly um you know, if you pick up a few young players, not your whole team, but yeah, um, I don't really know what to say. He's been irrelevant for about three years now. <laughs> Ouch. Would you say, would you, <laughs> that last one, 
Would you say that you are infinitely better at fantasy than him? And you've got now four years of data to work on. You've now got the first two rounds of this year where you've scored about 200 points more than a Mitch round. Would you say that uh, he's just not as talented as you, Jono? I think his pride gets in the way. I think um, he is quick to ignore a lot of players on the list. Um, just because they're a good fantasy player, like just because they're a good player doesn't mean they're a good fantasy player. That's that's my advice for JR. JR is known to also have his favourites and stick with them longer than what they should. And the one that sticks in my mind, and you would have been living with him at this time, I think he drafted him two years in a row and held on to him through every single injury that that man had, and that was Hunter Clark. I, I still think JR thinks that Hunter Clark's day is coming at some stage. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's been a few um, like Hunter. Hunter was a favourite. Mm. Um, and we we both saw Hunter Clark get killed live in Cairns, um, and he he was distraught, I would say. So I think his season ended then and there. And um, I think yeah, uh, David McKay just absolutely um, killed him. What a location to get your jaw obliterated as well. I think it was his jaw from memory to then have to swelter in the back of an ambulance on the way to Cairns General Hospital and work out how he's going to get back to Melbourne with a swollen jaw the size of his head. So poor Hunter Clark, poor JR. Look, you were far nicer than what I was going to give you credit for. I thought you might have gone really hard at him, but it's nice to give some self-reflection notes of uh, you're too proud, JR. You need to let go of some of the players that you think are good because they are getting in the way. And I can already identify one who he's quickly re-picked up in free agency, and that's Jaden Hunt. <laughs> he's... He's yes, um, and also Braden Campbell. <laughs> I saw Braden Campbell he, he has, as well. He, he loves going back to the well. I think it's um, it's time to you know you got to be vanilla sometimes. You, you don't have to be you know this fancy pistachio green ice cream or whatever. Sometimes you just got to be the good old fashioned vanilla ice cream. <laughs> Braden Campbell and Jaden Hunt were absolute locks to be picked up by Josh Ryan this week. Like as soon as Braden Campbell had a semi reasonable game, it's back on. He's in the team forever. He's going to be everything that he's promised to be, and Jr's going to pick him up. Anyway, this is not the the Josh Ryan podcast as much as we might want to make it about him and criticize his team. We have some ask me anything questions, Jono, and. Yep. These, these are really good ones. So I've had uh, a few of these coaches on now. We've had Grady last week. We had uh, James Davies the week before, and we got some nice questions. But I have to say, these are quite targeted at you. They weren't nice. That's what I'm going to say. They, there are some questions here around your uh, capacity to win preliminary finals. There was uh, some talk about your arrogance heading into round three coming up, being that you're 2-0. <laughs> So I'm not going to ask ask these in order. I'm just going to choose some at random and then we're going to go from there. So let's talk, and I'm going to ask these verbatim as well, exactly how they're written to me. So you might even be able to guess who is who from this. But we'll start from the top. Jono, rejuvenated Saints coach Ross Lyon, like yourself, has got off to a flyer this season. Why should we believe either of you will actually keep it up in finals when your teams are notorious for choking and falling at the last hurdle. Look, yeah, um, I'm a fan of Ross. Um, you know, an unlucky bounce in a, in a in a grand final, much like myself against Lockie Norman, <laughs> uh, didn't didn't go our way. Uh, the derby, you know, Brayshaw got tagged, and basically Norman got the, the biggest bounce of all time. 
So, look, I, I consider I've been really inspired by Chris Scott of 2022. The Magics uh, have listened and we have also got a shit hot forward line and we just need the mids to play their role and get the ball to them. One thing that goes unspoken about your preliminary final with Lockie was just how close and exciting that game was because it was overshadowed by the Sam Powell-Pepper Echo slash B-Wheel game. But your game from memory was within 15 points or something silly like that in the last quarter, and that could have gone either way as well. And I can't remember, you can rejog my memory, but there was some sort of dodgy trade or free agency thing that happened that week that you immediately sought clarification on post-game. <laughs> Look, um, nothing surprises me with that lucky fella. Um, you know, one time on the hill, he had his brother trying to do his dirty work for him and explain, you know, oh, he's a nice guy, this and that. And I, I just couldn't believe it, like, that he stooped so low to get his own brother to try and convince me of his character. I do. Um, <laughs> so, look, Leah did Brayshaw, just had a, a terrible game, basically. And um, Sammy Durren, he, he was going. You know Sammy, Sammy Durren. I do. He was, uh, he was going, but he, he shortly stopped when I went for a walk around the block. I thought... By God, Sammy is going to get me over the line. I'm just going to go for a walk around the block. I'll come back. I've made the granny. Um, but basically, he just um, stayed on 60 the whole time from from three-point time. Oh, and um, yeah, it was a it was an awful day. Um, but you know, we've we've bounced back. So, well, that probably feeds in nicely to this question. Uh, it's it's a three-parter, Jono. What is it about prelims that makes you not want to win one? <laughs> are you worried that <laughs> are you worried that once again you'll fall short when it matters most? And if not this year, when? So I've been thinking about this a lot over preseason. I didn't really find the love the love for the game for for a long time there. Uh, it, it started to come back around January, February, but basically uh, 2020, the COVID year, my team wasn't even that good be honest, and made the prelim. So we did it the hard way, just scraped the top eight, and then I think we went to the prelim. Um, and then, obviously, did, didn't really deserve to be there. I think Jao, he, he thought that. So, uh, but 2021, uh, slightly better. Top four, a um, few good wins in the buy rounds. Um, the Davies-style sort of strategy. Mm. So, shout out to Davies, the king of the buys. <laughs> king, um, of the, king of the buy rounds. I'd also consider myself uh, the, the prince of the buys. Um, that's not a flex, mate. That's not a good. That, that's not a thing to be proud of. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about planning, uh, <laughs> buy planning, and we we made the finals and thought, you know, we could give this a crap, but yet again, probably probably not the best team, and um, got done. And last year, well, last year was the one that uh, I think you know really got away. I was a bit of a dark horse all year um, and then got the double chance and knocked off um, Rainer in the, in the first one. So I had the week off and I just reckon we lost all steam, you know, um, Lady and uh, Brayshaw, um, Whitfield, you know, started to come good towards the end. I held him all year as much as like people kept coming for him, like probably Lockie Norman and uh, Dylan Evans coming from Whitfield like every second week. That's true. You want to trade Whitfield? That's true. Look, so yeah, that that one is the one that got away essentially. So if I shouldn't have made it in twenty and twenty one, twenty two had a good team. Twenty three looks like I have a good team. 
We're looking all right. If not now, then when? That is the question. Third question submitted by a fantasy user, fantasy coach, I should say. The Alliance, which is in reference to yep. your teamwork with Regan Masterangelo. Something that has come out of the blue, by the way. But anyway, is this real or some made-up Survivor shit hoping you get both into the... Sorry, hoping you both get into the final eight? I don't even watch the Survivor, so I don't even know what this Alliance thing is. You should. Is, it's right? the best but show on TV. Basically, this is it's an unspoken connection this year. Uh, we, we didn't go into the year planning for this to happen. The sanctions night, I just thought, this man is causing all sorts of carnage, and I'm on board. <laughs> I have to say that your support of him on Sanction Night when he was purposely <laughs> destroying the league single-handedly was just so disappointing to watch on the outside for somebody normally quite quiet and reserved like yourself. <laughs> Let's go to the next question. This is actually a two-part. It's the final question of the Ask Me Anything. It's a long one, and I think you could probably predict who this is from based on the message. After having a beverage with the man himself, Michael Johnson, at the stables on Saturday afternoon, I was wondering, has the head coach at the Mad Jacks been in the gym over the offseason or is he just walking around with the chest pumped out after beating the herds in round one? Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've been in the gym, you know, trying to, trying to shed, uh, shed some weight for, um, for Greece and I'm um, inspired by coaches such as Brenton Sanderson and uh, <laughs> Adam Kingsley. Nothing but chest been press. Been working the bench out a little bit. Nothing but chest press. Had a few beers, you know, felt... Felt good about the corn injury, you know, like, <laughs> I suppose I was a bit puffed up with the chest out, but, you know, the, the herds were there and, you know, he was, he was a bit sheepish and uh, staring down the barrel with a zero and two, so you could understand it. Me, I was top of the world, him down in the dumps, you know, it's just all, all dandy, you know. Last question, which is attached to the one uh, just then. Also, halfway through dismantling the jellies in round two, Jono may have already said the F word, finals, is locked in for the Magics, Magics in 2023. Is this true or is this true? Fake news. Still <laughs> fake news. In no way was the word locked ever used. Europe is on the cards and it will be early August, just before the finals. Me as a coach planning ahead, you know, it's, it's me looking towards the future. Are you concerned with your Europe trip coming up affecting your fantasy performance? Because I've seen it happen to coaches in the past and I know for a fact, Jono, that uh, when you're out in the middle of a, a yacht in the islands of Greece or Croatia or wherever you're going, one reception can be a little bit patchy, but also the copious amounts of vodka that you'll be pushing down will uh, impact your free agency pickups. Are you concerned that your team might be neglected over that period? It, it's a good time to be going away. Uh, hopefully... You know, we keep on this trajectory and uh, we just keep winning. And then we don't have to worry about um, fantasy for three weeks. Then we come back. Who knows? F word. Here we go. Two more quick questions from myself and then I'm going to let you go, Jono. First question is, you play the Norton 2 in all sorts collie wobbles this week. Can I get your prediction for that game? Yeah, so we, we've taken a bit of a risk um, with Stuart this week. Hopefully we uh be able to cover that and... and he hasn't been putting up two good scores, but uh, B-Will, you know, B-Will's been a performer of this league for a while, so it'll be uh, interesting. Interesting. No, no sitting on the fence. I'll I need, give him a hug. I need I need a tip. I need a tip. I'll give, uh, I'll give him a hug after I beat him. 
That's not the tip. I need to know who's winning the game, Jono, so we can then hold it against me. (laughs) (laughs) And the last one, this won't come back to bite you so much, but this answer cannot be yourself, unfortunately. You have to delegate it to somebody else. Who will win the flag for 2023? The the survey, I picked Lockie Norman, Mm. um, but I'm taking that back straight away now. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Like, he, he, it was an easy pick. On the day, I think uh, Keefe's, uh, mm. he's always around the mark. So he started reasonable as well. Keefe's is doing what Keefe's does, and that is go under the radar while Regan makes as much noise in the group as possible about how good his team is. That's going to end up falling down flat, and he's going to end up in a world of hurt, and Keefe's is just going to keep trucking along. And I reckon, I think I've changed my prediction about three times since the start of the year, but if I could change it again, I think Keefe's is in the box seat right now. So I agree with you. Jono, it has been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on Late Night Podcasting with me. Enjoy the rest of your night, and thanks for coming on. Thank you, Jill. Looking forward to the rest of the season. That's it for the pod for another week. Thank you to JR, as per usual. Thank you to Jono for coming on at the end there and discussing his team. A special thank you to the coaches who sent in their words of advice for Lockie Norman and for Stasi Dimku, and also to our Talkback Radio listeners who were played by Debbie, Alicia, Bats and Brent. And a special shout-out to Maggie, daughter of Brent, who turned one this week. Happy birthday, Maggie. We will see you next week on Who's On Him.